With the NBA Finals around the corner, you can bet with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code VOXMMA. That's code VOXMMA for new customers to get a no-sweat bet up to $1,500 if your first bet doesn't hit. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 and over, age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. One no-sweat bet per new customer. Issued as one bonus. Bonus bet based on amount of initial losing bet. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligibility, wagering, and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. Live from MMA Fighting Studios, this is Between the Links. And now, your host, Mike Heck. <laughs> of course, of course. I am a, I, I am a blue Skype. Yeah, there, there we are. are. <laughs> yes. The iconic voice of Esterlin did several seconds ago welcome you to a historic edition of Between the Links here on MMAfighting.com. It has been a crazy week with big news and game-changing announcements. And we also have decided to change the game a little bit on this program. The ultimate proving ground in the world of MMA media this week. It will not be your typical one-on-one matchup. It is two-on-two. It is a tag-team extravaganza. We haven't done this before. I have no idea how this is going to go. It will probably just be utter chaos, I'm sure, but that's sort of the premise of the show to begin with. So let us get into this. Let us introduce the teams first. The pairings. Let's start with the duo who helped make this concept a reality. When they battled it out on the show around a month ago against each other, coming out of the red corner first, let us say hello to podcaster and writer extraordinaire. I guess we can now call her Mrs. Fernanda Prachas. (laughs) How are you? How is married life? Welcome back. Hello. It's uh, the same as the other life. But hearing the word married, it's still intense, strong word, heavy. But I'm doing okay. I'm a, I'm a little nervous. Not going to lie. I feel like these uh, the dynamics we have going on here, several ways in which this can go terribly wrong. But we'll see. And they probably will. But we'll all go down together as uh, <laughs> joining, joining Fernanda in this venture. The wily BTL veteran, fiery hot takes galore. He's been calling for this matchup for weeks and weeks, and now it's happening. From MMAfighting.com, Mr. Jed Mishu. How's it going, my friend? I'm not going to lie. It stings to be just known as a wily veteran because <laughs> I'm, I maintain that I'm still a champion. Frankly, look, 
it, it's unfair. Uh, I'm not even going to talk about the, the current champion because she's just too good. So we have to put her in a category of her own, and then I'm the actual champion of the Mere Mortals. And I'm super excited to, to be able to lift Nanda Pratis up here with me <laughs> so she can also be a BTL champion and, frankly, have the best thing that's happened to her this month happen. Mm -hmm. <laughs> there you go. And now introducing their opponents. Coming out of the blue corner first, making his first BTL appearance as a member of the MMA Fighting Squad. He's been here before. He was even part of the BTL 50 gauntlet several weeks ago. And what I approached him with this yesterday, it took him a mere like couple seconds to accept this uh, this idea, this concept. Let us welcome back the man, Sean Alshadi. How are you, sir? I am doing wonderful. It is so good to be back. It's so good to be part again of the MMA fighting team. Be home. Uh, I'm excited for this. I'm not really sure where this rivalry started. All of a sudden, I was getting called <laughs> out by Jed Mishu for this for weeks on end. Uh, I have he has nothing better to do with this time. Uh, and honestly, it's a little unfair that you're pitting me against my former teammate Fernanda Pratch over there because she's fantastic and, and I, I don't I don't want to do anything wrong to her. <laughs> like this is putting me in a weird spot. But regardless. <laughs> Dad, you're going down. And his partner, another BTL veteran, uh, another Arizona native. He is fired up for this occasion, as expected, from MMAfighting.com, the host of the A-Side live chat, Mr. Jose Youngs. What's going on, man? I also don't know where this rivalry came with. I also think it's not fair that Fernanda is on Jed's team because everyone likes Fernanda and everyone hates Jed. So I think Jed <laughs> just wants some reason for someone to say any sort of positivity his way. It would be something else. If he brought in uh, my my actual rival in Niall McGrath, but he's kind of busy writing his dissertation comparing Raisin Bran and Wheaties, so he's a little busy. <laughs> Instead, Jed is here. He's taking time away. He's wiped his hands from the sticky Rolos that uh, kind of, you know, uh, his life is central or centralized around. So uh, whatever, we're here to do whatever this is, uh, and Jed is going to lose. And Fernanda, I'm sorry that you're attached to the hip as someone that I don't think anyone really has anything positive to say. Uh, on the internet, that is. So let's do it. All right. Now, I know chaos will ultimately rule in this matchup, but there are a couple of uh, of rule changes I would like to throw out there in the spirit of keeping the show moving in as effective of a manner as possible. So here's how it's going to work. In each round, one member of each team will respond to the question, and then it will flip-flop. So, for instance, if Jed and Jose answer the question in round one, Fernanda and Sean will answer the question in round two. However, the other rule for regulation that we are going to put in place, should the tag team partner of the individual answering the question just be losing their minds, wanting to respond at the opposing team, we will allow one rebuttal her team throughout regulation. So Fernanda and Sean are battling it out. And Jed is like, I do not agree with Sean at all. He could jump in and say rebuttal and respond to Sean. However, Jose will have the chance to respond to Jed. So one rebuttal per team throughout regulation. Use them wisely. The other rule change is in the final round. If it gets that far, all four players will have 60 seconds to answer the question. And it is a doozy. I know it's a lot. Any questions from the panel before you get going? I will walk you through everything if needed, but is there any questions from the panel? This is like the PFL rules to me. Like, yeah. I don't fully <laughs> understand it, but like, I'll just, <laughs> I'll just go with it and we'll see where it takes us. It's the same game you played before, but you just have to answer mm -hmm. half the amount of questions. Okay. And you're partnered with me instead of against me. So you're going to win. I think <laughs> you, aren't you the person with the most losses in the history of this show? 
and the most wins. <laughs> Look, I'm a home run hitter, Sean. Like they don't pay me to get walks. <laughs> okay. Who's All right. So, buddy? so Jed and Fernanda won the blind draw before we hit record. So you guys have to decide who's going to go first. Uh, Two of us. Yes. No, Jed, you go first. I feel like I, I need to watch to master in action before. <laughs> okay. Before right. stepping let's in. Let's talk about Anderson Silva. Okay. Oh, no, but so no, I'm sorry. See, this is this is that you're already regretting calling me. But then he, that means I get to answer the following question. You answer a question cool. too, yes. No, let me do let me do Anderson and rap Brazil. Cool. Go for All that. Right. I like that better because I didn't actually watch him box and pants <laughs> off. I was about to make up some stuff. So sweet. <laughs> Full transparency. All right. Who wants to go up against Fernanda in the first round? Jose or Sean? Jose, I'll do it. All right. All right. So we got Fernanda versus Sean Alshadi. So we're going to begin with Anderson Silva and what he did this past Saturday. He takes on Julio Cesar Chavez Jr. in the boxing ring. And man, the spider was flowing out there. It was actually amazing to see the old Anderson come out. He was having fun. He was calling Chavez Jr. to the corner and, and, and pointing to the ground. It was awesome. And then he wins a split decision in a fight that should not have been a split decision, but it was a clear win for anybody watching the fight for the former longtime UFC middleweight champion. So, Fernanda, we're going to begin with you. What did you think of the Spider's performance and his return to the boxing ring? Yeah, I don't. So that's the thing. I full disclosure. I don't understand a lot about boxing. Like I watch it, but I don't really understand scoring that well. Uh, so I can speak for what I, for what I saw from and this Anderson and like a, I, I'm gonna say his name five different ways, guys. Guys, uh, Anderson, my Brazilian way. I can speak for what I saw Anderson do, um, on kind of a personal level. And it was, I think, it was a joy for everyone, right? I don't know. It didn't feel like there was much of a buildup to the fight, at least on my end. I didn't feel like people were that excited or even like that aware that it was happening. I for sure wasn't that excited. It was kind of like, oh, let's, of course I'm going to watch it. But like, just, and then to watch him halfway through the fight really grow into his own and just do understand silver things, right? Because that's the, that's the magic of it. And to look so freaking happy doing it, right? That to me was the main takeaway from it. And Honestly, what I thought was really, you know, heartwarming, and I think that might have been why we got so excited collectively about it, was because he didn't really get a proper goodbye from the UFC, right? Like, I feel like for Anderson Silva to say goodbye to the Octagon, we would need to have a big event, preferably in Brazil, to have, you know, the Ain't No Sunshine remix. And 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 he didn't get that. He got like a kind of anticlimactic goodbye. There wasn't much of a buildup. It was against Uriahal, which was, a you know, a, a fine fight, stylistically interesting and everything else but it wasn't the right fight for him at the moment and then after it was done he didn't really even embarrass himself but the way you know Dana White went on to talk about him and the whole conversation and kind of like a lot of promotion saying they weren't gonna try to pursue him I, it just I to me the whole the whole way that ended was it left a very sour taste in my mouth so to watch that you know to watch Anderson go out and do that and you can add all the asterisks to uh, Cesar Chavez Jr. And there are several. He's known for not being necessarily the most disciplined guy. Uh, he came in extremely overweight. I, again, don't know that much about boxing, but I know that a lot of people put asterisks in his career, even though he was 
a legit box. He is a legit boxer who fought legit names and was an actual champion. Like all of that aside, I still feel like he did something that was really cool. He looked really happy doing it. And it was unexpected because with all that aside, I think a lot of people really didn't think that ultimately he would have what it took to beat a, a boxing champion. And he did. So I don't know. That's kind of how I felt about it. I was like, weirdly happy by the end of it. Not not because of MMA, not because I, I don't add those stakes to those fights. I don't really think it's like a sport versus sport thing because there are always so many variables and we're never putting the best at against the best. And they're never fighting in the same division. It's always a heavier person anyway. But uh, I, it just made me happy to see Anderson Silva, that guy who gave us so much joy in MMA kind of get I won't even call it closure because I think he's probably going to do, uh, I don't know about MMA, but at least a few more boxing fights. But it was really cool to see him have sort of that that really nice moment. Sean, I know we kind of had this conversation on what the heck, but not everybody you know, may have seen that conversation or listened to it on, on the podcast network. So give us your thoughts on what Anderson Silva did on Saturday night. Yeah, absolutely. I think Andrew, uh, Fernanda really hit on it. The main thing for me, and I think the main thing for a lot of people in the MMA community just in general, was the joy of it, right? Just to see Anderson out there once again, joyful, exuberant, enjoying himself and and really in his element in a way that we haven't seen in, in such a long time. And for for a – I mean we, we talk about legends of the game all the time, and I think sometimes we use that word maybe too loosely and we attribute that to people who maybe don't deserve it. But Anderson's a legend, and he, he he's beyond a legend really. Like when I was – Mike, we talked about this earlier this week, but when I was a fan of the sport growing up, Anderson was one of my first favorite fighters. He was the guy who was the wizard who was out here doing things that nobody thought possible. He was out here just really breaking every sort of mold and becoming this singular, unique figure in the fight game and somebody who felt untouchable in a way that was almost supernatural. And the joy he exuded throughout those fights and how much it, he clearly just reveled in being that guy it, it has been so unfortunate the last half decade, really lo longer than that, right? It's been almost eight years now of of his very sudden, very sharp decline and how sad that has really gotten. I mean, you look at his last nine UFC fights, he won one fight. And it was a, a fight he, he probably shouldn't have won against Derek Brunson. And so it's just he never really had that moment where we could all celebrate him and just have that throwback opponent. He he never got, you know, an, an easy mark on a, on a way out. He was always getting stuck fighting the Jared Cannoneers and the Uriah Halls and all of this of the world where it's just like, why are we doing this? Like, who is this for? No one, no one is, is I'm sure Jared Cannonier is really happy to have a win over Anderson Silva on his record and same with Uriah Hall, but nobody actually benefited from that. Really. It's not like it, it, the UFC got, had some huge Jared Cannonier rise in stock from that. Like that was just spinning our wheels in a way that felt sad. And it just, it didn't feel right. It didn't feel right for a person of Anderson's stature. So to be, to see him back out there last weekend and just enjoying himself and being Anderson Silva, where again, he's doing the Stefan Bonner thing midway through the fight where he's in, in the corner and he's telling him throw down and like, this is, come on, come on. And to see his confidence rise throughout the fight and, and really crest halfway through where he just knew this is me. I am back. I'm in my element. I am that guy. Once again, even at age 46, the joy that he was exuding. And I think the joy that just you could feel from the MMA community was so cool to experience there. It is so rare that we get these opportunities just as a community as a whole to, to really seem to revel and enjoy something simultaneously on this sort of level. But this really did feel like a celebration 
in a way, right? Because we, we've been taking a lot of losses. Like, let's, let's be honest. We've been taking a lot of losses in this whole MMA versus boxing thing. It's seemingly every month we're getting out here getting embarrassed in front of the world. Uh, and this wasn't that. This was the opposite of that. And for it to be a 46-year-old Anderson Silva doing it against a, a – yeah, I know Julio Cesar Chavez Jr. isn't you know the guy that boxing would send to represent him. <laughs> uh, but to see him doing it uh, at, at age 46 against a 35-year-old former champion who has 60 bouts of experience in that guy's home on a show that is basically built and dedicated around that guy's father and honoring his father. Like to do it in those circumstances is so unlikely five to one underdog. And it was just, it's so cool. It was so cool to see that for Anderson because he never got that storybook ending. He never got that closure. Like like Fernandez said that, that happy ending. And I, I I don't know. I mean, this isn't going to be his last fight, right? Cause now doors are open. Uh, and he's probably going to have lots of options on in front of him in, in terms of boxing. But for C- to see Anderson be able to have this moment, a moment he's wanted since the, the first day he, he he beat the crap out of Rich Franklin and has been calling for a chance to fight in boxing, to see this was just so overwhelmingly cool for me and I think for a lot of people in the community and, and for Anderson as well. All right. So going back to you, Sean, because I mean, you, you mentioned we've seen these MMA crossover fights to boxing for a little while now. It has become all the rage. This one was, I guess, a little less freak showish because it was an MMA fighter taking on a legit pro boxer. It kind of flew under the radar. It was a pro fight. It wasn't against a YouTuber or anything like that. And I'm not knocking the pause because make that money, son. But after seeing, you know, Connor lose to Floyd and Ben Askren getting lamped, as Jed Mishu says, by, by Jake Paul, was Anderson's performance, like it was a great moment for us all to like kind of celebrate him. It was a great moment for him. But was that in your eyes writing the wrong for MMA or do we still have to wait and see what happens on August 28th with Tyron Woodley fighting Jake Paul? I mean, what does that mean really though, right? Writing the wrong, like this isn't going to stop. This isn't, there, there's no end in sight of whatever this w- insane trend and fad of all of these circus fights is. Like this is only going to mean, this is only going to lead to more of them because now there's more people looking at this of like, hey, like that's an opportunity for me to go make a lot of money. Ty, if, if Tyra Woodley loses against uh, Jake Paul, like I don't know that this changed that that outcome and how we would feel after that, right? I, I think we're just going to have to be prepared for MMA to take a lot of L's. Uh, in this sort of weird saga that this is going to be for however long it lasts. But it was, again, nice to just have one night where we could not take that L, take a very surprising W at that, and, and again, just celebrate Anderson, remember who Anderson is, because I think there's a lot of people in the MMA space who were not around in 2011 and 2012 when he was in this huge series with, with Chael Sonnen, when he was doing just absurd things to Stephen Bonner and Forrest Griffin. There are a lot of MMA fans right now watching this or just consuming content, probably a, a majority of them who have no real actual concept and understanding of who Anderson Silva is other than people like us just talking about like how you should have been there. And so for him to just have this one moment where he can kind of be celebrated in that way that he never really was in the UFC on the way out, uh, I, I just think it was cool. I don't know that it's going to lead towards any lasting uh, impact, but it, it was cool nonetheless. What say you, Fernanda? Like, I, I know you you didn't really necessarily look at this fight through the MMA fan lens. This is like, you know, this is the, the Anderson show. You you just you want to see him have his moment, and he did. But in the MMA community, is all right in the world because of what happened on Saturday, or does the onus still sort of lie on Tyron Woodley to knock out Jake Paul and? you know, stop him from running his mouth. 
I have a really tough time with like, because again, like I said, I don't really ever see it as like MMA versus boxing. I think we have a human tendency to try to add bigger stakes to the situations to get ourselves more emotionally involved. And we do that a lot with this. And it's kind of like, is it MMA versus boxing? Like in this case, more so because you have an actual person who had boxed for so many years and you had an actual MMA fighter who was at the top of his game and who was a striker. So, you know, you had more of a parody where you could sort of compare it doesn't look as oranges and apples, but then you get a fight like Tyron Woodley and you're talking about this guy who isn't, uh, uh, who isn't a, a proficient, he obviously is a proficient striker to the level that you can be in MMA, but like it was never, it wasn't his thing. Like he wasn't as, as, as much of a technical spectacular striker as an, uh, this one, against a guy who I am not, I am tired of like knocking on the poles at this point in my life. Cause it's kind of like when, remember everybody's just piling on Justin Bieber. Like it just feels so low hanging fruits. Like I'm over it. Uh, but like this, these are people who are having professional boxing fights and are training in boxers. So I'm not just their boxers in my head, I guess. Sorry, boxing people, if I'm offending everyone, but like, so you're having this kind of fight where an MMA fighter who had been declining in his MMA career, who isn't a, you know, who isn't known for being the best boxer, who wasn't known for being the best boxer. And Tyron, even you have that a lot better than with Ben Askren, right? Because that was the most ridiculous example against a person who is still coming in to the world of boxing. Uh, usually you have these huge freaking size disparities in these fights. The Logans are always, the, the Paul, sorry, the Logan is one of the pulse uh, i feel like an old lady again um what are tiktoks but you have these 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 guys who are much bigger fighting much older competitors who are coming so who, what is this like i don't understand this what is being proven about mma and what is being proven about boxing to me there's really no such thing to me the stakes really are as low as two people and the people around them making money and i'm fine with that that's absolutely fine. As long as you're an adult and you're consenting and you're, you know, in physical conditions, because obviously it's a contact sport. You don't want to just, you know, have extremely menacing situations happening. But, you know, these are consenting adults who are medically clear to participate in the situation and make money. Good on them. But to me, this is not a, a MMA boxing honor type of thing. Might be an unpopular opinion, but that's just really not the the lens through which I watch these things. Yeah, I think I think the important lesson to learn here is that whether Tyron Woodley beats Jake Paul or loses to Jake Paul, we remember what happened this past Saturday with Anderson Silva and the smile on his face and that moment he had with Canelo Alvarez after the fight. Like that was just so cool. And hopefully that can stick in our memories for a little while while these, as Sean said, these crazy fights continue to happen. So we're gonna move ahead to the other piece of business that went down this past Saturday night. But the point for round one goes to Now, truth be told, I can't hear any of the sound effects. So I'm taking a guess that we got it right. <laughs> but it goes to the red corner. Fernanda gets her team on the board. Really good round. Super close. That's why you're my teammate. Let's Woo! go. It's all good. Red corner. Sorry, right. Shaheen. Still love you. All love. <laughs> we're just getting rolling here. It was like 10 <laughs> to 9 and 3 quarters, if we're being honest. Like star search scores. 
We're this close to crowning an NBA champ. And with the action heating up on the court, it's even hotter at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code VOXMMA. That's code VOXMMA for new customers to get a no-sweat bet, up to $1,500 if your first bet doesn't hit. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 and over, age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. One no-sweat bet per new customer. Issued as one bonus bet based on amount of initial losing bet. Bonus bets expire. 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligibility, wagering, and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Vacations can be tricky. You already know how to book flights and hotels, but now the only thing you're missing is, you know, the actual travel experience. Because is it really a vacation if you're just sitting around like you would at home? You need a tool to get the most out of your time away. That's where Viator steps in. You can book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who already been on the experiences you're considering, so you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. But now we're going to tag in Jen Mishu and Jose Youngs and move to round two and discuss the Korean zombie getting back on track. Great performance against Dan Ige. Unanimous decision win. Used some very effective wrestling. Just had an answer seemingly for everything Dan Ige had in that fight. Plus, we found out that he had a shoulder injury during the fight, which made it even more impressive. So, Jose, we'll begin with you. What did you think of the Korean zombie's performance and uh, what it does for him in the landscape of this featherweight division? Well, I'm going to preface this with what I said in the preview show is no one. I mean, everyone take what I say with a grain of salt when I'm talking about the Korean zombie, because I am probably the biggest Korean zombie mark in the MMA landscape. And uh, so everything I say is going to be completely biased. And I have nothing against Danny Gay. He just happened to fight the Korean zombie. So I'm going to watch the Korean zombie do anything and I'm going to be excited. I could watch him make a bowl of pudding from scratch, and I'm going to be enamored. So, of course, I love everything. Metaphor? Use that for <laughs> Anderson like two weeks ago. Yeah, because pudding's great. You I also say a lot of people make pudding on here's YouTube. What, <laughs> if you want, <laughs> Jose, if you want, if, if you want to run through the lexicon of Jose, it's make pudding, fight a door, Jed Mishu likes Rolos, compare someone to TJ Detweiler, say someone's late because they're auditioning for the Dancing Raisins. That's the entire lexicon of Jose Young's thing. Detweiler is a good one. Yeah, that's that's uh, 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 whatever his name is. Niall McGrath. Anywho, anywho. So Korean Zombie, awesome fight, awesome performance, awesome everything around. Real bizarre. He didn't get a performance bonus, not in the sense that he deserved one, because there were a lot of great uh, performances that deserved it over a five round decision win over Dan Ige. But this is the first time he he's won 
and not got a post-fight bonus in the UFC. He even dates back to the knockout of the night, submission of the night era before it became the performance bonuses. Uh, he was winning everything left and right, even like any time he won. So the fact that he won, his shoulder was trying to run away from his body, and he kept on fighting, and he not and he got back into the win column after what he said was a knockout loss to Brian Ortega. I know he ever it was a decision loss, but the Korean Zombie says it was a knockout loss. He doesn't remember anything uh, past the second round. So. 10 out of 10 across the board, my main man, the Koreans arm, the only MMA shirt that I still own. Uh, but again, take what I say with a grain of salt, because anything the Korean zombie does is 10 out of 10 across the board. All right, Jed Mishu, how are you grading his performance? Are you giving it a 10 out of 10? Do you look at it differently? Do you, would you watch the Korean zombie make pudding or pour a bowl of cereal or, or anything of the sort? I mean, it was a 10 out of 10. I'm not going to watch the man make pudding. Like, that's, I'm not going to watch anybody that's, make pudding. That's your laws, bro. No, I'm, I'm good. There are a lot, <laughs> lot broader culinary topics that I could watch. I'd watch him make sushi, watch him do anything. Also, let's put Dave, Davidson Figueredo making sushi somewhere. That is a thing that I'd watch the hell out of. But I digress. It was obviously a phenomenal performance. I mean, I'm not going to argue that Jose is a bigger TKZ fan. Like, that's fine. He can have that one. But everybody is a Korean zombie fan. Like he is the original action fighter. He is. He's that dude. And I mean, like Jose said, I hate to give him credit, but like this man is a performance bonus machine. And the like, honestly, one of the great tragedies of MMA is we lost a good portion of his prime years, quote unquote, to his military service. Because this dude would have been throwing up, you know, fight of the year candidates forever and we just missed out like two years of that uh but he came back and he's still he's still got that thing on him man like Danny Gay can fight his ass off and Chan Sung Jung beat his ass like that was that was a consummate performance over a very tough guy I don't know what it does for him obviously a win is great and I will I will watch him anytime he competes against anybody I know he was making some call outs after the fight I don't know where that gets him you know, towards moving towards a title shot. But I mean, it, it's just friggin' dope that that dude is still here. Cause I remember him fighting Jose Aldo, what feels like 20 years ago. And Jose Aldo is still technically a top competitor weight class below, but like Korean zombies just dude, it's awesome. It's awesome to see a guy at that weight class have that kind of longevity and still be every bit as exciting and fun and interesting as he was when he was on the come up. So hell yeah, Korean zombie. That was dope. So I, I, we're not sure where this takes him, but we're going to dive into that a little bit right now, because with the craziness at 145 pounds, you get the title fight coming up between Volkanovski and Ortega. It looks as if the plan is to try and rebook the Holloway Rodriguez fight after Holloway's injury. There's a lot of fun options out there for the Korean zombie Jed, but not a ton that, make a lot of sense for what zombie is probably looking for. So if you were, if you got a phone call right now that you are the UFC matchmaker just for the Korean zombie in his next fight, what are you doing with them? I mean, it's just tough. Cause like, I frankly, I just want to give him a title shot. I don't care that it's kind of weird to do it. Cause he lost like just a minute ago to the guy who's about to get his ass beat by Alexander Volkanovsky, I think in September, but like that, that's what I want to do. I think the actual answer is you put you put together the the future fight of the year with Calvin Cater, uh, because that would just be absolute bananagrams. Uh, and I'll watch the hell out of it. The only part of me that is sad about it is that might end up 
giving Korean Zombie a loss, and then he doesn't get to fight for a belt. But if you, I mean, if you really got the cojones, just throw him into a title shot. He gets the winner. <laughs> Max Holloway can go back and fight Yaya Rodriguez because nobody wants Max to fight for the title again because he's already lost to Volko twice. Like, I know that he 100% deserves it. I'm not saying that. But, like, Max needs to move up to 155 anyway, make some hay up there. Let's throw TKZ in for a belt. But no one's going to do it. So Calvin Cater, fight of the year. Who says no? Are you saying no to that, Jose? I'm not going to say no to watching the Korean zombie fight anyone. I mean, Calvin Cater would make the most sense logically in terms of the ranking, but I don't know physically where Calvin Cater is because he was basically a walking corpse uh, against Max Holloway. I mean, there's a reason that Dana White, well, like we came out with the Spencer Fisher story and then all of a sudden Dana White is freaking out about Calvin Cater on uh, on like national television on ABC because he's like, get this guy to the hospital right away. I don't want him talking to anyone. So the last image we have of Calvin Cater, after, well, besides, of course, your phenomenal interview on MMAfighting.com's YouTube page, uh, was him getting the soul beaten out of him by Max Holloway. So I know Josh Emmett is still on the mend from his knee injury. Arnold Allen is there. I'm not going to say no to watching Arnold Allen fight anyone, but it's probably not the most exciting stylistic oh matchup. I'll say no to that. Please yeah, God, I was about to say, that's Arnold not the fight Allen. I want. Give that's me the, the walking corpse versus the Korean zombie. That's a match. <laughs> that's perfect. The storylines are perfect. That's fine right there. But like, uh, would you say no to the Korean zombie fighting like Edson Barbosa, who just turned Shane Burgos into another like walking dead person? Like he literally turned the man's brain off with his fist or Giga Chikaze, who's stealing people's livers with his foot. Like I would much rather watch those two fights because that's a fight of the year, performance of the year. Stick it on ABC, stick it on ESPN. I just want that on national television. I don't want it buried on a prelim of a pay-per-view. I want violence personified for five rounds on a nationally syndicated network. That's what I want. So the Korean zombie versus anyone except Arnold Allen. I'm not saying he doesn't deserve it, but uh, just doesn't satiate my bloodlust in terms in, in the, in the MMA landscape. So when I spoke to zombie prior to the fight, he, along with his coach, Eddie Cha said that he briefly pondered retirement after the loss to Brian Ortega, Jose, but then said, you know what? Took a look in the mirror. I could still get back to title contention. So give me a fight. Danny Gay was the only guy available. I want to get back to the belt. So it got me thinking, Jose, if you had to guess, like I know if it was up to you, zombies fighting for titles every time he fights, but do you predict realistically that the Korean zombie will fight for a UFC title before he ultimately calls it a career? I would say uh, it, it would be closer to yes, especially given how the featherweight division runs. You get everyone in the top five at one point is either hurt or on a long layoff, or changing weight classes, or whatever. Like Max Holloway's been on long layoffs, Ortega's been on long layoffs. Jair hasn't fought in what two, three years. Who knows when Calvin Cater comes back? Korean Zombie himself lost like two or three years of his career. So uh, by default, he might just get a title shot, considering he would be a fresh matchup. And Dana White has always loved the Korean Zombie. Uh, so yeah, I would say the answer is probably yes, but it's not going to be in 2021 or 2022. Jed. What do you think? Will we see Korean Zombie realistically fight for a world title once again? Yeah, I think so, but I don't think he gets I don't think he gets it straight up. I mean, that's the thing about Zombie, right? Like he is he's so beloved by hardcores that even like regular people kind of know who he is at this point. And you can just throw him in there as a as a short notice replacement. I don't think he puts together two more wins off the back of this over like top five competitors to be like, gotta give him the shot. I think I think they should have given him the shot and not done the Ortega fight. Frankly, I think that 
that to me made a lot of sense and they should have just done that. And when they moved on from that, I think, I think he's going to bisping his way into a title shot. Like he's like, Jose is right. You know, guys fall out, guys get injured, guys take some time off in this weight class. Uh, I think that that is very much in play for him because he's going to win two, lose one for however long he continues doing it. And he just needs a little bit of timing. Somebody gets hurt, pulls out like right now, if something happens to Ortega in the next couple of months, like KZ's in there, right? Like that's, I think that that's just pretty logical. Like, I mean, I guess you could put Yair, but really you're going to put TKZ in for September if something happens to Ortega. So, and the way Jose is talking, maybe he'll just go kneecap Ortega and, and make it happen for Korean Zombie. And then we got it. Then, then he's right for the first time that he's ever been right on this program. And we get Korean Zombie in a title fight. There you go. We're away. Apparently, he's awaiting the results of uh, of an MRI for the shoulder. But yeah, if he's good to go, get back to the states, get back to fight ready, and get ready for September. Because you know that man would fight for a title if he was offered a title shot in September. Even if they told him his shoulder was going to fall off, he'd be like, "All right, let's go. I'm in. I'll hit him with my other shoulder." <laughs> be that as it may, good win for Zombie. Pretty good spot right now. Better win for you- Jose. Yes, we'll see where he goes from here. As this tag team matchup moves ahead, I have a feeling we're about to explode into pure chaos. So far, it's been uh, pretty calm here. But the point for round two of this tag team bout goes to the squad of... The Arizona Natives, Jose and Sean. They are on the board. It is one-to-one. I'm liking where this is going. I have a feeling things are about to brew over. Remember... Both teams still have a rebuttal should you choose to use it. So tags are made. Back to Fernanda, back to Sean. Let us discuss the welterweight title picture in the UFC, which appears to be quite clear. But Nate Diaz decided to play his game and insert himself into the conversation this week. He decided to play the game with the champion, Kamara Usman. Usman took the bait. He told Diaz to call Hunter Campbell. Nate gave some props to Usman in the end, but Nate likes to plant those seeds. And more often than not, the people react and he can find his way into these big opportunities. So Sean, we're going to start with you. Let's kind of switch things up this time around. In today's UFC, is there any chance Nate Diaz jumps the queue and gets this fight despite losing to Leon a couple of weeks ago? First of all, I love the way you phrased that as if yeah. Nate Diaz decided to throw it to like enter into the title picture. Like Nate Diaz is out here being like, yeah, you know what? I do want to fight for a, for a welterweight title. Let's go ahead and do that. Uh, also, really quickly unrelated but i have to rewind like 15 minutes ago at some point in that inane gibberish jed was saying he said that no one wanted to see max holloway fight for a ufc title again against volkanovsky and that's just blatantly false i think most people would actually really like to see that trilogy fight i think most people felt like max is sort of the uncrowned champion right now and we that's probably the most popular fight you could put together in that division in terms of a title fight so once again jed is wrong and has no actual of the people it's not your turn to talk jed it's my turn. Uh, anyway, back to you have, you're on my time now. I'm Brian Ortega. Uh, <laughs> no, Nate Diaz uh, is not going to fight for Kamaru Usman for a UFC title. That it's uh, frankly amazing that we're even having a segment about it. Uh, I think that speaks to the power of Nate Diaz and how 
uh, just the rules don't apply to him at all. He plays by a completely different set of rules and rankings than seemingly the rest of the population when it comes to the UFC. Uh, the, the welterweight division right now is still such a mess. Like if you look at it, there are three people, uh, two people and conceivably three soon enough who could say that they have a claim to fight for that title. It is so backed up. Colby Covington probably doesn't deserve that fight right now. He's only fought once since he lost, but he seems like he's going to get it. It'll probably be the biggest fight they can make in terms of the actual people who deserve it. Leon Edwards should be fighting for that title, but he's probably like eight wins away from it at this point. Like <laughs> He's just never going to get that opportunity. And then if Wonderboy beats Gilbert Burns at UFC 264, like he could be that guy who just jumps in front of Leon at that point. So there's no reason Nate should be in this conversation. And again, it speaks to the power of Nate Diaz and how unique of a figure he is within MMA that we're even having this conversation. Uh, but no, absolutely not. Nate Diaz should not be fighting for the welterweight title. Fernando, on paper, this seems, like Sean said, like an absolutely outrageous conversation to have. But we have seen crazy things happen before in our sport. We've seen guys coming off of losses get title shots. We've seen guys off consecutive losses get title shots. Is this yeah. something that could actually happen because of who Nate Diaz is? Could he talk his way into this next title shot? Is that even possible here? That is such... The way you phrased it was so sneaky. Because the question wasn't, should he fight for a title because that obviously is no the how should he like in the logical world f bypass the guy who just beat him and who was on this <laughs> insane streak that is absolutely insane so if the question is should yeah it's a definite no but your question was is there a chance and i am I, I struggled with this. I, I still am struggling with this because I want to say logically as a rational person, no, of course not. But kill the rationality. A chance. <laughs> Thank you, Jess. <laughs> He's like the devil in my shoulder, on my shoulder. Um, the, But if there's a chance, let's entertain this. Uh, Usman obviously probably would be interested for him. That's a more interesting fight for several reasons than Leon Edwards in terms of money and the chances of him winning it. Not that, you know, I don't think he's too concerned with that at the time. He's obviously proven he's an amazing fighter who can beat pretty much every, everyone in the division, including Leon Edwards. But you have that factor of maybe this appeals to Usman. As things are right now, I don't think the UFC could possibly justify it. Just doing that now. Like, yeah, you literally just beat, just lost to, to Leon Edwards. Even though if you ask an EDS fan, they'll probably tell you another five rounds and he would have won it. Um, you, 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 can, you can't justify that now. But you can justify it in a very weird universe in which, I don't know, Leon is, they want to schedule a 5-4 two months from now and Leon can't make that deadline for whatever reason. And then they're like, let's just do Nate Diaz. I think it's highly unlikely. And I am with Shaheen in that I think it's crazy that we're even having this conversation. It really just speaks to the mystique of one Nathan Diaz uh, that we're just willing to put him in any title conversation for any title, for any division, really, at any time. But as Painful as it is for this for you to say this, if the question is their chance, so you're telling me there's a chance. <laughs> I am not I am not willing to say that there isn't a chance. 
So yes, I guess there is a chance. I can't I believe I'm going to say this. I've been influenced by Jed, but okay. <laughs> like, can I rebuttal my own teammate? Is that is that like an option? Hey, you can you Jed. can use your rebuttal however you want. Go ahead. This should absolutely happen. Why do you all hate fun? Like, what makes it happen? Because Kamaru Usman is the man, and he wants it to happen, and he should get to say, I choose you, What's Nathan going Diaz. on right now? Nobody looks at Leon Edwards. Colby Covington sucks. Right if Wonderboy wins, yes, he should deserve a title fight. But if he loses, you don't need to run Gilbert Burns right back. And are you really going to put the winner of Luke versus Chiesa in a title fight? I mean, maybe if this were a sport, maybe they would deserve it. But, like, <laughs> Screw it, man. Nate almost beat him. Let's go. Jose, would you like to say something, Jed, before we turn it over to back Jed's over to Sean? Out and here and with his yeah. own teammate. What's going Talking on? to Jed is like trying to have I love this instance. energy, though. I feel like I need, I'm, I'm a very, like, cautious person, and I feel like Jed's just reckless energy. Like, we really complement <laughs> each other well as teammates. I learned when I, when I, when I first met Jed about three weeks ago, uh, I learned that it's, you can't really interact with him like a rational human being. So it's like trying to talk to a duck. So no, I don't want to, uh, interact with Jed again. Okay. Well, anyways, uh, so going back to Fernando and Sean, uh, Fernando, we'll go back to you and Dana White has been saying it for a while now, but we all know that Dana White likes to say things. It appears that Colby Covington will be next for Usman, that rematch from their incredible fight in December of 2019. Usman's manager, Ali Abdulaziz, said that there's some good news for Usman. Don't know if it's related or not. And then he tweeted out earlier today that Nate Diaz over Colby all day or something to that effect. But listen, whether it's Nate or if Wonderboy beats Burns or even Leon Edwards gets in there, maybe it's not Nate, but is there any way the UFC changes gears and we don't see Usman Covington 2 next? See, the way you phrase these questions, Mike, is there any way? Is there, <laughs> it's the UFC, there's always a way and there's always a chance. So that's, I struggle with these questions. <laughs> but I do think logically, right, uh, the Covington fight is pretty much what I think is happening. And it's unfortunate because obviously they had such an amazing first fight uh because obviously everybody just wants to see Kobe Covington get injured and Usman is the person who has the best <laughs> like chances of making that happen uh in terms of shot and forwarded to the world um but I think it's unfortunate for Leon Edwards. Like, and I think that, you know, we paint him as this very tragic character. And I don't know if like he actually likes it that the entire MMA world is always talking about him like this poor puppy that, you know, poor him, like helpless little thing. He's not a helpless little thing. He's a grown man who has built an amazing streak and who has made some decisions. Like, for instance, if I'm Leon Edwards right now, right? And you have the whole beef with Masvidal going on. Why is he not interested in making that happen? That's a winnable fight for him. That is a fight that could be in any pay-per-view because at this point you're going to, even even though Masvidal is on that kind of like little slope, you want to you wanna associate yourself with him at this point. So like why, why not like create that and then maybe, you know, accept that you're not getting a title shot at this point? I don't know, but... <sighs> I think a lot of it, as 
as it always happens in the UFC has a lot to do with timing and, you know, people get injured and they want to do things at a certain date. And if people aren't ready and there's somebody else who is, they come in. I think right now it's pretty unavoidable that it is going to be Usman and Covington again. And I have no complaints about that. Like the way that they, the first fight went on, like I think there's really no, I take no issue with that at all. I do feel for Leon Edwards because it's very rare for you to build the streak like he did and put himself in a position like he did and still, and, and still like, even though he's coming off that win, a lot of people are still talking a lot more about the guy that he beat than they are talking about him. And just the whole thing really is a little bit sad, but yeah, I'm, I'm just thinking that there is just Usman and Covington next. See, I asked the questions that way because we get that very intelligent answer from you. If I just said, will the UFC go another Someone direction, you could just say no. Intelligent. Yeah, you could just say no. And that's it. Next question, please. But <laughs> to, to you, Mr. Alshadi, let's just say Wonderboy goes out there and starches Gilbert Burns. Let's say he just stops him like mid-second round. It's like a flawless performance. And that is a big if. This is very hypothetical here. Is there any chance that the UFC just says, you know what? Let's give Wonder Wonderboy his opportunity. Let's give him that crack at the belt. Colby can wait. Oh, absolutely. I mean, there's a huge chance. If the, if the question in general is, is there any chance that Colby isn't the next guy fighting for, for the belt? I think there's probably a 50% chance. Uh, and it, and there's, there's a couple of reasons, right? One is Colby historically is not the easiest guy to deal with if you're the UFC. Like there's a, there's a huge chance that Colby's either going to price himself out of it or he's just going to be such a nuisance to them that they're just going to move on and be like, all right, guy, like we'll, we'll just go to the next person like we've done 80,000 times in the past. Uh, and then what you, the scenario you just laid out where if Wonderboy goes out there on this big Connor pay-per-view and does something just extraordinary, we, we've seen the UFC want to try to push uh, Wonderboy into these type of situations. I mean, if Colby's even giving them the slightest bit of guff, they will just go right to Wonderboy in that spot. And, and that wouldn't be unprecedented. So just in general, absolutely, there's a huge, huge chance still that we don't end up getting Col Covington versus Usman 2 next. I think that's probably ultimately where it ends up because Colby would be insane to to try to talk himself out of this this opportunity. But, I mean, Colby, Colby does what Colby does, and we've seen it in the past. So I think it's 50-50 shot, but it probably will end up being that. Yeah, Colby seems ready. I, I spoke with him a couple of weeks ago. He said oh, he's ready to fight tomorrow. He said the right things about the UFC. Shout out to Dana and Hunter and the whole team. So he's he's on their good side, at least when he does interview. So we'll see what happens with this title picture. I think it's crazy that we're talking about Nate, but that is today's UFC. We get ready rebuttal, for the final. Mike. You already used your rebuttal. Yeah. <laughs> 50, 50's trash. Can I give him my rebuttal? I feel like he's a more no, rebuttally he's, person. He's, he took your team's rebuttal, right? Dana there said that. that he was getting the oh, next title fight. The rules it's like a 90 this is your he does it. You got to uphold the rules. Listen, we there appreciate are no rules here. This is chaos. We appreciate we appreciate you, Jed, and we're going to hear more from you in a minute. But the last 30 seconds of your vocals don't count. They're just there forever, but they have nothing to do with this game. <laughs> so the final tags are about to be Jed, made. Jed's words are equivalent to UFC title shots. It just doesn't matter. This, this could get ugly in round four. But the point for round three, cue the drums, goes to... Sean and Jose, it is two to one. What a battle, ladies and gentlemen. Whew. This is crazy. Job, I have a feeling the volcano is about to erupt. Support for this show comes from Atlassian. Atlassian software like Jira, Confluence, and Loom 
help power global collaboration for all teams so they can accomplish everything that's impossible alone. Because individually, we're great, but together, we're so much better. That's why millions of teams around the world, including 75% of the Fortune 500, trust Atlassian Software for everything from space exploration and green energy to delivering pizzas and podcasts. Whether you're a team of two, 200 or 2 million, or whether your team is around the corner or on another continent altogether, Atlassian Software is built to help keep you all on the same page from start to finish. That way, every one of your teams, from engineering and IT to marketing, HR and legal, can stay connected and move together as one towards shared company-wide goals. Learn how to unleash the potential of your team at Atlassian.com. That's A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N.com. Atlassian. Because there is a lot of action going on in the world of MMA this weekend. It is Jose versus Jed Mishu in this final round of regulation. We have the UFC back on Saturday. The event headlined by Cyril Ghosn and Alexander Volkov. Bellator is back tomorrow with Bellator 261. Interim heavyweight title on the line between Timothy Johnson and Valentin Madolski. The PFL is also back tomorrow. We got... Kayla Harrison and Cindy Dandu on that card. Anthony Pettis will look to get his first PFL win and try to earn a playoff spot. So, Jed, we're going to kick things off with you in terms of intrigue, storyline, overall interest in the aftermath of these events in your eyes. Which promotion is putting its best foot forward, so to speak, this weekend? Look, you should know where I'm going, Mike. It's Bellator because, I mean, they have a heavyweight main event as well but theirs is way more fun i'm not here to tell you that cyril Gan versus alexander volkov isn't the better fight of the heavyweight main events this weekend it a hundred percent is but that fight might be boring or it it doesn't get us anywhere super interesting like the winner of that's still not getting a title fight because heavyweight is log jammed in the ufc right now so it's just a little bit of spinning our wheels even if it's technically better mma Whereas in Bellator, we have a title fight, man. It is an interim title. I know, like, Bader is still nominally the heavyweight champion, despite the fact that he lost his light heavyweight belt, which has always seemed a little dumb to me how that would work. But anyway, he's still the heavyweight champion, but he, like, doesn't fight at heavyweight ever anymore because he also doesn't fight at light heavyweight. Spent a lot of time doing Grand Prix and stuff. Uh, and we get Tim Johnson, man. I am here for the career late career renaissance of Tim Johnson. Uh, every year I do a, uh, a weight division, essentially awards of the year. And Tim Johnson was my heavyweight of the year last year, three fights, three victories, upset win over Tyrell for uh, fortune upset win over Matt Mitrione split decision over Czech Congo, because that's just what Czech Congo does. He wins <laughs> or loses split decisions. Like you can't, you can't beat him or lose to him super definitively. Uh, at least not this stage. That's three wins for a dude who nobody believes it. I don't believe in Tim Johnson still, and I'm a Tim Johnson fan. Like Tim Johnson's family doesn't believe in him, but he put together three wins, and he is the number one or two ranked heavyweight in Bellator's admittedly awful rankings. He is going to fight like a legitimately good heavyweight prospect in Valentin Moldovsky. Like 
I'm just here. I'm here for the two big old walruses just smacking each other around for however long it is. And nobody's talking about it. It's so rare that you get a title fight, be it interim or otherwise, that nobody gives two shits about. But somehow we've managed that with Bellator this week. But I care, Bellator, and I see you, and I'm going to be tuning in. I, I, I'm, I'm guessing there's air horns coming from Casey. I, I, I don't know. I don't really know. But uh, Jose, your thoughts. PFL, Bellator, UFC, in terms of storylines and intrigue and interest and things we can discuss after the fact, what has like the most potential to be the best card of the three? Well, Jed's answer was obvious the second they announced the Timothy Johnson fight. Anytime there's a tall, goofy, white heavyweight, Jed Mishu makes that appointment television. Now, if you're talking about an actual like athletic sporting event, obviously Cyril Gaon, Alex Volkov is the is the way to go. The Kayla Harrison fight, I'm always interested in watching Ka- Kayla Harrison fight and obviously what she says after. Let's see if Anthony Capetis can back out into the win column. But unfortunately, that's not my answer. It is the UFC, and I'm going to talk about more than the main event because I like I like mixed martial arts, and I'm going to watch the entire card. Uh, anytime you want to throw an Andre Feely on the card, Tim Means. Uh, Renato Moicano is opening the main card against Jay Herbert, uh, Hani Barcelos, uh, Daniel Pineda. Like these are names that like we just talked about fighters like the Korean Zombie. I just talked about glowingly about how I just love violent, chaotic fighters who are just high level martial artists. Everyone I just named is that and they're all in the main card. Worley Alves is fighting. Of course, I assume he's going to probably call out the marijuana guy. Nate Diaz, not going to happen. Sorry. Charles Rosa has never won or lost two fights in a row in his entire UFC career. So who knows if that trend will continue? I mean, he's fighting Justin James. Justin James probably, if he loses, that's a wrap for his UFC career. Julia Vila, at one point, uh, everyone was very high on her. I know she stumbled in in recent, but at least people uh, will tune into her fight. Uh, So, yes, uh, I am very excited for the UFC uh, on on ESPN or whatever it was. Ike Villanueva, I think, is on this card. Uh, I chatted with him a lot on Fight Island. I might be an Ike Villanueva fan just from having conversations with him. And I don't, I didn't understand a word he was saying. I think he was speaking English, but if anyone has watched King of the Hill, it's basically like talking to Boomhauer. I just, I'm just sitting there. I'm like, I know I'm understanding like the last word of every sentence, but I'm not quite sure what you're saying, but I'm here for it. So, uh, I'm, I'm all about it. I know, uh, Kenny Njikawu is fighting on that card. Just knocked out Israel Adesanya's opponent. So top to bottom to answer the question in terms of storylines and where we go after this fight. The answer is the UFC. I know uh, Jed Mishu is a proponent of quote-unquote bad heavyweight MMA. He's also not a Steve Miocic fan for whatever reason. I guess he just doesn't like good he- heavyweight MMA. So the it's answer sucks. is That's the not UFC. My fault. Look at all that. Look at all that knowledge. Shut it down. That was it. That's the point. <laughs> we didn't even go to the final round. Well, the, I will uh, just use my rebuttal quickly. Okay. I will not deny that there's a lot of because if not, it's just going to go to waste. So might as well. I will not deny that there are a lot of like good names for us. Hardcore in the in the in the the UFC card. Uh, And I had no idea none of them were fighting until I looked at the card today because there are just no super compelling fights. And um in the sense of popularity, in the sense of just like looking at it on paper, yes, Renato Moicano and Howie Barcelos, who I will forever defend and name drop and everything because everybody should love Howie Barcelos. He's amazing. But and then you look at the strength of the card and you look at the co-main event and you defend that co-main event between Tanner fucking Bowser and uh. Ovisan Prue to me. 
You know who is going to do a better? You know who's going to do a better job at defending the co-main event? Your teammate Jed Mashu, because that well, that, that fight is right up his alley. <laughs> a, a overweight light heavyweight fighting a tiny heavyweight. That's a Jed Mashu fight across the I board. Even Mike go. knows it. Even Mike, Mike knows it. That fight's not garbage. Mike. You didn't even mention the best fight on the UFC card, Jose. Sean's trying to big up you with, oh, look at all this knowledge. Where, where's the shout-out for Shahat Rachmanov versus Michelle Pizzazz? That fight's going to be bananas. That's the best fight on the whole freaking card. And you're just Jed, like, I, don't I can worry Jed, about that one. Jed, I, I, can go- I can Google fight cards, too. It's off the top of my dome. Can you name anyone else on the Bellator card besides the main event? Probably not. Next question. Why would I? I'm just for the main event. Bit. I'm not here for 13 fights. That's nonsense. Hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. We heard from Fernanda. Now we got to hear from Sean. Jed literally just said that that was the best. The Michelle Pereira fight was one of the best fights of the weekend, if not the best fight of the weekend. Uh, That alone makes us win because we picked the UFC card. So yeah, he just storyline, It's about storyline. It's about storyline. Then that's where I will. Ben Johnson's that's, resurgence yeah. as a viable heavyweight in the year Jed, of the like, Lord. Jed, great names, Jed, but right we're now. talking storylines and watch, excitement. Jed, if you could only watch one fight out of those two, you know you're going to watch the Michelle Pereira fight. I'm just telling you. That is absolutely you, not true. That is absolutely false. I know you way too well. Wait, isn't it Perez? Not on this card, by the way. No, it's not. It's Michelle Perez. Pereira is fighting Nicole Price. Yeah. Oh, I is it on Michelle Pereira? Hundred percent. I'm in oh, on that. Never I mind. Guess. My rebuttal is <laughs> going for it. Then. Yeah. <laughs> Your rebuttal had a wrong name. <laughs> I, you had a Brazilian to check it, Shaheen. That was your downfall. I have to use my Brazilianness. Happens. It happens. <laughs> well, we heard we heard Jed's Jed knew where the, the next question was going and he answered it. The most underrated under the radar fight of the weekend. Jose, what is yours? Fight, fighter, storyline that isn't getting enough love. What is yours? Uh, the Shaq Rachmanov fight absolutely rules because that's one of the few fighters on the card without a Wikipedia page. Uh, I spoke with Shaq Rack on, on UFC Fight Island. Dude was wearing a hat made of a legitimate wolf, like not a fake, not fake. Like the fur was made of a living creature, like a wolf. And, I, and he he beat up a human being on national television and then put on a hat made of a wolf. So, yeah, Shagrak Rachmanov is about that life. Also, I'm obviously a big Andre Feely fan. He flies the, the comic book fan banner like no one else does in the UFC. If anyone's seen his bookshelf, it might rival mine in terms of graphic novels. And I will firmly admit he reads a lot of stuff I haven't read and vice versa. So, yeah, the Andre Feely fight's always interesting. Daniel Pineda, talk about resurgence. I know he just lost his last fight, but uh, it's good to see him back uh, doing things in the UFC. So one of those two fights probably on the UFC card. And again, the other another, the reason why the UFC card is way better than any other card this weekend. Well... That will do it for this round. A, a, a lot to to think about here. A lot of moving pieces. The volcano erupted a little bit, but wasn't like a crazy eruption. But uh, the main question is, will we see a knockout round after what we just witnessed? The point for round four goes to... The answer is, yes, we will see a knockout round. Jed Mishu ties it up for his team. How fitting for a contest like this. So this is going to be a little interesting. All right. So for those unfamiliar with the knockout round, we will ask one question. It's going to be the same question for everybody. 
And each of these wonderful competitors will have a chance to respond. But here's where things get interesting. One person from each team will give their initial response. The tag team partner can either agree with their teammate's answer and expound further. They could put their partner over, so to speak, or they can completely go against them and trash their answer, if you will, and give their own thought, uh, their own thoughts on this on this question. So four responses, one minute apiece. Neither person knows what this question is. Once it's done, with the help of the live studio audience, we will turn it on over to the honorable judge, E. Casey Lydon, to rule in favor of the team maybe of Jed and Nanda or the team of Jose and Sean. So to determine our order, Jed, I, I think I'm the only person who actually, I think you're the only person I told this to. So you already have a pen and paper ready. So Jose or Sean, whoever has a pen and a piece of paper handy, grab it. What? Who, who still uses pen and paper? I don't have any of that. <laughs> Anywhere near me. I got you, dog. I got you. Come on, bro. I got you. I haven't written anything on a piece of paper in quite a long time. At least least you can read English. I can't say the same for my opponent, Jed. Okay, so I'm now a Skype symbol, but I can see what's happening right now. Hey, I can walk down to a Kinko's and print out a fake degree too and hang it on my wall. (laughs) Listen, it is it is my lifelong dream. I, I listen, I, I'm I'm thrilled to be working here at MMA Fighting, but my lifelong dream is to be a game show host. So I'm trying to like <laughs> insert a little bit of game show host is hiddenness, if you will, into this. So to, to determine who's gonna go first, we need each team to bring one person to the table. We have a little prices right action. It's gonna be Jed versus Jose. We're gonna combine a little MMA trivia into this. So Jose and Jed, I'm gonna ask you this question. You have 10 seconds to write down a number. What? What's going on? Get it right. I don't have it. Don't worry about it. You're doing great, Mike. Jose and Jed, just for you, okay? I'm going to ask this question. You have 10 seconds to write down a number. You're not going to get it right unless you're just ridiculous. But the closest to the number will get the champion's prerogative. Without going over? Is this real prices right or is this fake prices right, Mike? Whoever's the closest to the number. Whoever's the closest to the number. So fake prices right. All right. Okay. Ask. Ask. So. Max Holloway has had 24 fights in his UFC career. How many significant strikes has Jesus Max Holloway Christ. landed in his UFC oh, career? I was going to cheat and send it to you, Jose, but I, I, 10 seconds I can't go. find that. Significant? Yep. Jesus, he had like 7,000 in his last fight. I'm ready. Four, three, two, ah, one. Right. Time is up. Jose, let's see. What do you got? I wrote... 784. 784. Jed Mishu. 4,081. Yeah, it's got to be way more than 700. Probably somewhere in the middle. I'm going to go again. It's got to be four figures minimum. So Jed barely wins. Yeah. Way over. Uh, The correct answer is 2,618. Nearly a fifth of those happened in the fight against Calvin Cater. That is a lot closer than I thought. Yeah. Uh, so with that, Jed, you get the champion's prerogative. Do you want to go first? Do you want to pass this question on over to your opponents? We're definitely passing because this is chaos, and I don't know. <laughs> we need time to be prepared. <laughs> yes. We like to we like to call him a coward by not going first. Anyway, hit me with a question. All right, so Jose, you're going to go first. You'll have a minute, and then Sean Elshadi will also have a minute to answer. He could either expound on what you said, or he can go his own direction. So here's the question. We're past the midway point of the year. Every year, as you know, Jose, we have our list of awards we like to give out, the blank of the year mm-hmm. over at MMAfighting.com. So put your thinking cap on because the most contentious category 
of 2020 was the breakout fighter of the year. It was a two-horse race between Hamzat Shemaev, who won the award ultimately, and Kevin Holland, who finished second. So the question is, Jose, thus far in 2021, who is your breakout fighter of the year in the world of mixed martial arts? That is quite the question. We have one minute on the clock. Your time starts now. In terms of the breakout fighter of the year, I'm going to phrase it in the sense that this the, the reception that this individual got completely caught me off guard. Now, he's been in the UFC for a while, and he was even on The Ultimate Fighter, but the reaction that Brandon Moreno got in Arizona was as if he, he was fighting in Mexico. The only fighter, I think, the entire week that got more standing ovations than Brandon Moreno was Nate Diaz. So he was the lowest ranked fighter on the ultimate fighter. Like he was the 16 out of 16 fighter in the ultimate fighter. He gets called back to fight a UFC vet on short notice wins. And he racks on a couple more uh, wins and losses, gets cut, comes back, crawls himself back to the top and is now the champion of the flyweight division. So my answer is Brandon Moreno. He got the biggest pops uh, in front of a crowd. Uh, he's probably one of the bigger nerds. I mean, the dude collects Funko Pops for a living, and I hate Funko Pops, and I think that it's absolutely adorable. So the fact that we are talking about Brandon Moreno, the Funko Pop collector, is the champion of the world, my answer is Brandon Moreno. All right. There we go. We bring in Sean Alshadi. I'm still a Skype. Oh, here I am. Hey, welcome back, Mike. All right, Sean, you get a minute. You can either build upon that if you agree with Jose, or you can give your own thoughts on this. Breakout fighter of the year thus far in 2021, and go. That was tremendous. I mean, I was going to say Jiri Prashka because of what we saw with the ridiculousness and the top knot and everything. But I mean, I have to agree with Jose. Brandon Moreno, man, I was there in Phoenix with Jose and I honestly wouldn't have believed it had I not been there to see it. The reaction that this guy got from, from the Phoenix populace all week. It was unreal. He was treated and received like an absolute superstar. Brandon Moreno, the guy who was number 16 out of 16 on his tough season, the guy who was cut from the UFC just a few years ago, the guy who was an underdog in pretty much every single one of his major fights in the UFC. He, he How is this eternal underdog all of a sudden now the UFC champion? This is not something that I think anyone ever really actually thought would come true. Dude loves Legos. He's living his dream, going to Legoland and, and living it up large. He's probably going to get his own Lego figure. All of Tijuana, Mexico, there, there's murals everywhere for him. It's crazy. The whole world is celebrating Brandon Moreno. No one ever saw this coming. We thought maybe he'd be a fun fighter who could maybe get you know, his name into contention at some point. No one ever thought he'd be a champion. It's absolutely Brandon Moreno, and there's no other correct answer. Okay. Jed is already shaking his head, so that is going to be a good sign. So, Jed, do you want to go first? Yeah, I got, I, I got this, and then Nanda can just come in over the top, put him away. Okay, okay so <laughs> – Jose and Sean are going with the assassin baby, Brandon Moreno. What say you? Breakout fighter of the year thus far in 2021. One minute on the clock starts now. First, shouts to Shadi for his unending love of Yuri Prohoshka. I knew he would say that if he was given the choice. I'm not here to disparage Brandon Moreno. Brandon Moreno's dope. His win was super sick. He obviously has got something going. He's still a flyweight, so nobody cares about him in a broader sense. The only correct answer is Kamaru Usman. Now, last year, Mike, we talked on this show about how Kamaru Let me talk. I got a minute. Kamaru Usman, <laughs> last year, awful performance against Ori Masvidal. He was the least excited fighter. 
somehow he's got two super dope wins this year and he is now from good welterweight to legitimately in the greatest welterweight of all time conversation ufc started pushing that narrative he blew the doors off gilbert burns and then knocked jorge masvidal out that's not a thing that happens this is a dude who again last year he was a good champion that no one cared about. Now he is a star. He is obviously the breakout <laughs> fighter this year. If you're talking about where he was to where he ended, oh let me just God. say that that, that guy was so picked, funny. That guy just was so funny. More breakout fighter of the year. Someone who was already a UFC champion for two years at the start of this year. Yeah. That's not what that category means, my friend. That category <laughs> means whatever I want it to mean, and it means he. Look, Brandon Moreno is a champion. The worst answer I've ever seen. Unquestionably, he went from not champion to champion. But Kamaru Usman went from a nobody gave a shit about to a guy that we're starting to call the GOAT. Like, that is the biggest jump anybody's had in the take Jed, I take back everything I said. You're a funny guy. Oh, okay. I have. Okay. Hey, all right. Hang on. Hang on a second. Hang on a second. I, I, I will say this. I will say this for Jed. That is a very open-ended question. You can look at it yeah. however, and with, through whatever lens you want. And that was the biggest point of contention with this freaking award last year was Hamzat, a guy that nobody knew became a star, even though he didn't really beat anybody of significance. And then you have Kevin Holland who had five wins, but people knew who he was. So it's just like, how do you define it? That's how you define it. And I, and I respect that, Jed. I don't know if Casey will respect that, but I respect it. I have nothing to do with the finals. The UFC champion of two years suddenly became the breakout fighter. Of the There's year. a lot of talking when it's not their but turn, Mike. My, my, my team hadn't even gotten a shot yet. I know, but yeah, now she gets like a Brendan's shot. second run in the UFC by those standards too. Like he's not, he's not in the same like category as Huma, as in he's just a brand new face. And this is not me hating on Brendan Moreno, but I'm not. I, I'll have my minutes, so I don't want. Yes, you will have your minutes. You will have your minute, and this is why <sighs> things. Are, this is why I picked this question because this is awesome. This is chaos, and this is the way they end the program. So Fernanda, we leave it on to you. The married wisdom of Fernanda Pratis. <laughs> One minute on the clock. I hate. I will preface this by saying I hate this this type of question because when I have whenever I have to write about it, I like do a lot of research. Like I'm that kind of person. I don't I don't think on my feet. But I'm gonna. I want female representation here, and I'm gonna go with one that will be also met with protest. But I will explain. I'm gonna go with Kayla Harrison because because. Kayla Harrison obviously has uh, had like one fight this year. He's having she's having her second fight uh, for PFL tomorrow. So it's not like she's fought a bunch. But I say that 2021 is the year that we started talking about Kayla Harrison in the same realm as Amanda Nunes and Cyborg. Right before that, we were curious. We were intrigued. We knew that she had all this athletic prowess. Uh, but, you know, her competition had an Granted, so kind of hasn't been at the level that we can really test it. But I think that 2021 is the year we started seriously putting her in those conversations, seriously putting her against the proven best female MMA fighters in the world. And for that, for now, uh, and this might age horribly tomorrow, <laughs> for now, I am putting Kayla Harrison as my breakout fighter of 2021. Good answer. Good Thank answer. Thank you. Yes. Thank you, Chad. I yes, love I'm, the encouragement. I'm feeling like Richard Dawson right now, just listening to Family Feud. Good answers. Good answers. <laughs> so, wow. A lot to digest there. Three different answers. We have two for Brandon. But only Marino. one, right one. 
from the blue corner. And then I we will, had. I just want to leave my love for Brandon Moreno expressed too, because we all did. I love him. He's hey, like hey, amazing. But hey, Sean, how many UFC champions has Mexico, an entire nation, had until UFC 263? Oh, I don't. You know, that's a good you, question. I don't think they had any until it's almost the, like someone new has become an international superstar over the course of the past five months. He had already broken out. Or is that just he just didn't have the title. I have no idea what everybody just said. I can make that a superstar. We have no, no indication that he's actually a superstar. Yo, I'm just telling you, Jose and I were here for that arena. If if they do any sort of show in Arizona again or Mexico or wherever, that's going to sell out very, very fast. And Brandon Moreno is going to be received like a star. I remember all the shows they did in Cleveland with Stipe after he blew the doors off there as well. You can definitely trust the UFC not to screw that dog. Stipe, the one that hates Dana White? Yeah, that oh worked my, God. I, I'm, I'm, my argument is just that the breakout champion and breakout fight, breakout star and breakout fighter, that's my whole conversation. Because I would argue that Brandon had already, like his stock had already risen incredibly after the first fight with Dave. So, and he now became champion. So just throwing it out there for right. the, the audience to consider. We had Footstall to Usman and now he's the GOAT over GSP. That seems like a bigger jump to me. That's all I'm saying. Okay. <laughs> All right. Let's all just agree that Jed objectively has the worst answer here. Yeah, obviously. <laughs> no. Okay. Only there's only one person that can decide that, and that is the man with the baddest stash in MMA media, the Honorable Judge E. Casey Lydon. I will say the only reason Timothy I let this Johnson's chaos. Timothy the judge. I only let this chaos go on for so long, so Casey can gather his thoughts, maybe get the uh, the opinions <laughs> of the, of the live story. studio audience. Just a reminder. We will have our preview show for UFC Vegas 30 coming up tomorrow, so stay tuned for that. We will have Bellator coverage, PFL coverage. We will have UFC Vegas 30 coverage. We'll have your people's pre-fight show 30 minutes before UFC Vegas 30, which is an early start time, by the way. So the pre-fight show is going to kick off at 1230 Eastern, which is just tremendous. I love that very much. But Casey, history being made right now. Who is the first ever... You know what? It's my show. Screw it. Who is the first ever Between the Links Tag Team Champions of the World? <clears throat> is Jed holding up a black power fist? What is happening? <laughs> it's, it's, it's a one. Oh. Oh, I can't. Your fingers were cut off. <laughs> I had the two uh, one. As a Brazilian, I feel like I have to. Uh, even though I'm not religious, I feel like my Brazilian is ass that I thank Jesus for whatever happened. <laughs> we can't hear Casey. Uh, oh, I'm, 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 yeah, I'm, here. I'm listening What's to you. Happening? I mean, the minute was over a while back. I don't know why you're still talking. <laughs> but <sighs> I made my decision. Fine arguments for Breakout Fighter of the Year, but... The winner for the first ever tag team between the links champion is the red corner, Jed Mishu. Whoa! Nando Rogers. Woo! Woo! Let's go, Nando. Okay, I have. Fresh. I have to know why, Casey. I have to know why. Uh, I think Nando said it. Break it was a uh, breakout fighter. If 
Brandon Moreno, Brandon Moreno and Figueredo had fought in that first fight, say January 2nd, then maybe I could count that. But Brandon Moreno was already a really good flyweight, number two flyweight, and he won the championship. What Jed what? said, though, sold me. Kamar Usman was the most boring welterweight champion maybe ever. And two fights after two two spectacular victories and destroying Masvidal, he's he's maybe one win away from considered the goat, or one or two wins away from the goat. And um, yeah, I mean you and you said you know the whole you know he'll do great in Mexico. Well, if they took Usman to Africa anywhere Nigeria, he'll do just as good. So um, I went with Usman for where he started and where he is. Is it just to see? That's ridiculous. No, it's not. Sean, <laughs> no, Sean, Sean, you can't. There's, you can't argue, like arguing with Casey. You're gonna get just as far as arguing with Jed. They're gonna oh, be. Cause, oh on, no, I, I went. I went into this thinking when I heard the question, I was like, oh, Brandon Moreno, absolutely. I'm sure you did. But Jed sold it. Jed, Jed made a better argument. <laughs> let me just let, let me just say, funny. I thought, I thought we were gonna be on the precipice of the same, literally back to back years around the same time. Kamar Usman being potentially one of the worst answers in the history of the program. But Jed did a good job selling it. A.K. Lee said Kamar Usman was the fighter of the year last year at this exact same time last year and is one of the worst answers in the history of the show. He still gets beat up about that. And answer. that's why Kamar Usman is the breakout fighter because it was a horrible answer by A.K. Because Kamar Usman was not, uh, I don't know what you want to call it, a star. He is a star now. Brandon Marino is on his way to becoming a star. Right, we will we will hear we will get the thoughts of Sean and, and Jose in a matter of moments, but the red corner gets to say their piece first. Congratulations to Jed and Fernanda, the first ever between the links tag team champions of the world. Jed, you get 30 seconds to say whatever it is you want, and then Fernanda, you will also get 30 seconds. You know, uh, I'm just basking in the glory of this win. Uh, you all thought that I was insane for Usman, and clearly I was correct. Uh, and I, I got to throw a shout out to my tag team partner because I think she she gives me a much, much needed uh, takes the edge off, makes me a little more palatable, helps some of my arguments. <laughs> this We knew this was going to be a dominant tag team, and this is just the first of many. Fernanda? Yeah, I agree. I feel, I you know, I, I've got to be honest. Last time, the first time I was on the show, I felt a little robbed. And I think the internet uh, kind of agreed with me. But, like, the entirety of the internet. But I also knew I had a worthy opponent. And I was on board with the tag team because I felt like, like I said, his reckless energy could really match my sort of more, more cautious cowardly you could say take on things so i feel like this was a, a great team i'm really happy with with our performance tonight i thought fernanda was verbally swinging the chair at jed's back for a second there but she turned it around no. and uh nothing but respect here mike now, yeah, exactly like this is all right let's hear from the blue team, corner a strong team let's hear from the blue corner let's get jose and sean up there i i, I have to hear what sean has to say because the look on his face when he actually like digested this decision, I have to this hear. Is your I, this is ridiculous. This is ridiculous. Casey, I've known you forever. You have a lot of bad opinions. Like that's just what <laughs> it is. We have a person with bad opinions telling someone else with bad opinions that he has great opinions. Like, sure, I guess the guy that was twelve and zero coming into twenty twenty one and was a champion for two years and was already a top five welterweight of all time. Oh yeah, sure. Somehow he's the breakout fighter of the year. Yeah, go ahead and. Have book that Usman Wonderboy fight, and then we'll see how big of a superstar Usman is with all the million pay-per-views that's going to sell. 
This is ridiculous. Oh, and Brandon Moreno versus who? Wow, so yeah. what? Dude, who, who <laughs> Brandon Moreno coming into 2021? Everyone called that a fluke. Devinson Figueredo would have won had he not decided to, to do a couple fouls in that fight. Like, no one was believing in Brandon Moreno coming into that much. Wait, wait, wait the, oh, I'm sorry. Was the question the upset of the year? Was it the upset of the year? Was it just the, the UFC champion of the year who slightly became more popular? What are we talking about? Slightly? Oh, man. <laughs> Jed. Usman would outsell Moreno by like 400,000 people. What are we Usman would, yeah, but Usman's still not like yeah, the top five most here's what, popular champion in the, in the here's what Here's what I'll say. Here's what I'll say, Sean. Casey was always going to pick the incorrect answer. So the fact that we were said that we were wrong is a good, like that is, yeah. a, that is yeah. a good, like you've been at The Athletic for a couple of years. Uh, you don't like Casey's been doing the preview and the post fight shows and everything. And as you said, like he's, as Mike said, what did Mike? What did you? Uh, what did you say to Casey at a post post show a couple like last week? What do we call him? A contrarian. So of course, the yeah, one this is right answer is going to like this is like let's not forget Casey thought Loma Lupin <laughs> he deserved a, a performance bonus for a decision win on a card with like three knockouts and a submission. He said that Vernon uh, Jandrobe if you're in a deserved a performance bonus that even mike was like why like we get it we get it oh like, the woman we, that broke marada's arm is <laughs> you can you can interrupt you can interrupt in a second i understand that's the game but right now the losers the losers Salt can have their time salty I'm, I'm not as soon as jed said kamar i'm like oh casey's gonna pick that answer like oh, i knew that would yeah, come exactly the right answer <laughs> the second jed said kamaru and i'm like oh casey's picking that i, I, I don't still think I'll, I'll, we won, so I won't debate it. I still think that Kayla fits the criteria better, but yeah. you know, I'm just gonna throw it out there. I still think we won. Regard, we would have won with either answer. And Nanda, you know. what, yeah, and Nanda what, came with two fighters. That was brilliant, smart. Kayla play. Harrison, Kayla Harrison is one and zero with a win over Marina Marias in Again, shot, shot, shot. It's fine. It's not. It's not it's just <laughs> think about what I said like five seconds ago. You got the wrong answer. Got to be fixed. I get. It. We get it. It's okay. I mean, okay. Esther Lynn in the comment section was like, "Oh, Jose's the right answer." I'm like, "Yeah, well, I'm not. I'm not getting. Okay, stop picking that one." Yeah, that was until <laughs> Esther heard my correct answer. Oh, wait, no, oh, wait, wait, we're talking about Esther Lynn. Oh, wait, you know, this is Esther Lynn. Look, look. I can't read it. What is she saying? I can't. It doesn't appear to me. Mm. Jed and Nanda had better formed arguments among oh. more difficult fighters to make. I can't see the, the bottom of that, but it is the iconic voice, so it must have been something. So there you the go. The difficulty you guys went with, that's just going to kill you every time. <laughs> so, well, listen. Yeah. It's all love. I still love all of you. I just, ho I just hope that this is, this is known, okay, that this doesn't cause a rift in our beautiful friendship because i love you all listen the only rift it's going to cause is sean and jose never wanting to come on the show again because of the <laughs> <laughs> you're welcome it's viewers it's gonna have to be like me and jed forever. yeah here's sean here's how the next time next time you're on next time you're on here's what's gonna happen uh you're gonna win the first round lose the second rinse and repeat and then in the in the final round you're gonna pick jir prohaska Vernage and Verna Jandaroba as the as the breakout and fighters of 2021, guaranteed victory. Oh, and throw Manel Cape in there too, just to make just for the <laughs> And you are you are golden, uh, winning every single between the links. You should definitely listen to Jose because he's won a lot of between the links against me. Yeah, you know the only one the only one I won is when I brought up Verna Jandaroba and I got the final point right. 
<laughs> so yes, the math is sound. The system is rigged. That's what you're saying, Jose. That's a serious accusation. Hey, bro, the system was rigged last week when Sean <laughs> came in to guest judge and tell me. <laughs> that was when the system was rigged. Yeah, don't forget that, Sean. You had you your me, Casey. You knew what was hey. going to happen. I, 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 I trusted you. I trusted you. Okay. <laughs> We've gone like eight minutes past uh, the, the allotted time here. This, this, this is great stuff, by the way. And... Uh, I want to thank you all for watching and tuning in to this craziness that is BTL Tag Team Championship match number one. Congratulations to Jed and Fernanda. Thank you, Jose and Sean. Thank you to E. Chris Lee, Casey Lydon for his decision. Until next week, everybody, I am Mike Heck. We'll see you back here between the links. Good night, everybody. The iconic voice of Esther Lynn may or may not take you out of here. Sons in four. Sons in four. Sons in four. Hawks in six. <laughs> I can go with that. You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. With the NBA Finals around the corner, you can bet with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code VOXMMA. That's code VOXMMA for new customers to get a no-sweat bet up to 1500 bucks if your first bet doesn't hit. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 and over, age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. One no-sweat bet per new customer. Issued as one bonus. Bonus bet based on amount of initial losing bet. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligibility, wagering, and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. First thing in the morning, as soon as you wake up, the to-do list starts. Does the car need gas? Hopefully those leftovers are still good. Why did I get CC'd on? Oh, Mom. No. <laughs> no. You can't escape the to-do list, but you can make the most of your me time with a relaxing shower using Method Hair Care products. Try Pure Peace Volumizing, Simply Nourish Moisturizing, or Daily Zen Shampoo and Conditioner for daily use. All formulated with long-lasting fragrances and are safe for color-treated hair. Reconnect with the best version of yourself. Visit methodproducts.com to unleash your inner shower.